hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. We are about to launch ourselves into a long weekend. That's right, summer is here. And if you're thinking about getting away for the long holiday weekend, well, AAA says you should have left last week because they're expecting an additional 1.5 million people are going to be traveling this year as compared to last year. And that would be a record since they started keeping track. Hey, you have low unemployment, decent wage growth. That means Americans have some extra disposable income this year. So why not take a trip to the beach, right? What's the worst time to leave? Well, AAA is saying it's between 4.45 and 6 p.m. this Thursday. So since we're on the subject of travel, I wanted to mention something I saw on the local news last week, specifically on Washington, D.C.'s News Channel 7. And I've made my opinion clear on the Lyft and Uber IPOs. I'm not a huge fan because I have some issues with their business models. It seems that Lyft and Uber are having a bit of a price war amongst themselves, which usually isn't very good for anyone except for perhaps the consumer. With their business models, the cost of things like maintenance, gas, insurance, well, that all falls on to the individual drivers. And as fare prices come down, the drivers earn less, but their expenses remain the same. You get the picture. The drivers are getting squeezed. Well, it seems like the drivers may be taking matters into their own hands. Again, according to News Channel 7, drivers at Reagan National Airport have been simultaneously turning off their ride-sharing apps for a minute or two to trick the app into thinking that there aren't any available drivers, thus creating a price surge. Seems like trouble may be brewing. I'm definitely not buying the stocks, but I may just take a cab too. And since we've started off topic today, let me just stay off topic for another minute or two. Last Wednesday, an anonymous buyer paid $80 million, $80 million, or with commission, slightly more than $91 million for a rabbit. Not a crypto rabbit, you know, like the crypto kitties. No, but a stainless steel rabbit measuring about three feet tall. Now, this rabbit is the creation of American artist Jeff Koons, and it marks the highest price paid for a work of art from a living artist. Now, Mr. Koons didn't receive that money because the sculpture was owned by S.A. Newhouse, who died in 2017, and he was the longtime publisher of Condé Nast. Now, Mr. Newhouse purchased the sculpture back in 1992 for a million dollars. Now, that wasn't chicken feed back then. A million bucks was a lot of money. Turning a million dollars into 80 million means that the rabbit's return on investment was about 7,900% or close to 300% per year for the last 27 years. Now, I'm just doing simple averages here. You can calculate it out if you like. What I also found interesting about this whole auction was that the representative of the eventual buyer was New York-based art dealer Robert Mnuchin. 
Name sound familiar? Well, he's the father of Steven Mnuchin, our current Secretary of the Treasury. Okay, enough about shiny rabbits. Let's take a look at the markets. I'm still waving the yellow caution flag. And I've been waving this thing here for the better part of a month or two. Initially, I became cautious because we had come a long way off the bottom. The market breadth wasn't good and investors were generally seem way too complacent to me. Now that things have gotten a, a bit more complicated with the trade war heating up again. So I think that there are high odds that we'll see equities continue to whipsaw around here at least until the G20 meeting in late June. I had originally thought that we were navigating a soft patch in the economy and that global growth would pick up in the back half of the year. Now, I think that's certainly in jeopardy. We're already seeing a slowdown in spending on factories and equipment by large U.S. companies due to the uncertainty. In the short term, the bottom line is the yellow flag is still waving, so be cautious. Now, that doesn't mean run and hide. Remember, it's market volatility that gives you the long-term opportunities. If you see a good company that you think is selling for less than what it's worth, well, you may want to think about adding it to your portfolio. Don't try and time the market. After more than 20 years of managing money, I have yet to see a short-term trading strategy that actually works. I simply simply don't believe that there's a way to accurately and consistently determine the short-term market movements. And I think the scholarly research bears that out. I think it's best to be invested in the market. That is, invested in value stocks that offer the highest potential returns than playing the timing game. Peter Lynch, the famous money manager, he once said, that he calculated that more than half of the investors in his fund lost money. This is the great Peter Lynch saying this. Half his investors lost money. And that happened because money would flow in after a couple of good quarters and float out after a couple of not so good quarters. The Nobel Prize winner, William Sharp, well, he found that a market timer had to be right 82% of the time to match a buy and hold type return. There's even other research that tells us the risk of market timing are nearly two times as great as the potential rewards. The reality is, is that most of the market returns come from short periods of time and you don't know when those are coming. So I think it's, in, it's best to be invested for the long haul. That doesn't mean you buy something and forget about it. I think you buy high quality businesses when you think that you're getting a good deal and when the market is in an excited state and willing to pay you more than what that business is worth, well, then you might want to think about selling it to them. A couple of stocks that I'm interested in now are Berkshire Hathaway and United Healthcare. One's an old one and one's a new one in the portfolio. I've owned Berkshire, symbol BRK, and we buy the B shares, so it's BRKB. I've owned it for the better part of 20 years, and I think it should be a cornerstone in just about everyone's portfolio. Just, it's just a great collection of businesses. I view Berkshire in three parts, the insurance business, the publicly traded companies, and then the privately held companies. On the insurance side of things, you have Geico and a few other companies, but 
If you think about insurance, it's just a great business. Every month or quarter or whatever, you write a check to Geico and you send it in. And then you get in your car and you drive around and you're trying not to have an accident. If you're successful, then they keep your money. If you say, if say in five years or so, you have a fender bender, then they pay for it. But they've had free use of your money for five years. All this, of course, is assuming that they do a good job underwriting policies. This money they generate is called the float. And they take this float and they invest it in other businesses to generate even more cash. Part of what they invest in are publicly traded companies. They own businesses or shares in Apple, symbol AAPL, Bank America, BAC, uh, U.S. Bancor, American Express, and I can go on and on. It was also recently announced that they just invested about $850 billion in Amazon. They also own other companies outright. Burlington Northern Railroad, Fruit of a Loom, Dairy Queen, Seize Candies. Over the last 50 years, their track record has been phenomenal. That's to say the least. But times are different now. I don't think Berkshire can grow in the future like they have in the past, mostly because of their size. But with that said, I think the outcome is narrower with Berkshire than with most other companies. And what I mean is that I would be surprised if Berkshire grew at more than 10% a year going forward. But I'd also be equally surprised if it grew at less than 7% a year. I can't say that for most companies. And the obvious risk here involve Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's age. Right now, I think Buffett's company is trading relatively inexpensively. It's about 203 a share right here, and I'm a buyer. You, you have to do your own research and make sure it's right for you in your portfolio. The other stock I'd be looking at here is one that I started recently buying, and that's United Healthcare, symbol UNH. And this is kind of repeating what I said last week, but the healthcare stocks have been dragged down here, along with a lot of other stocks. From a big picture perspective, unemployment is low, which means more workers have access to healthcare insurance through their employers. And it seems that medical cost inflation is coming down. And you have a few choices in this category. You have two high profile mergers. You have CVS combining with Aetna. You have Cigna partnering up with Express Scripts. It seems like the name of the game is adding scale increasing the scope of the business, and then going ahead and cutting cost across the larger portfolio. And it seems to me that they're trying to copy United Healthcare's model. United Healthcare, as I said, symbol UNH, is trading hands at just around $250 now, and it's paying about a percent and a half dividend. This is really, in my opinion, the bellwether of the group. Its legacy healthcare business is chugging along at a decent growth rate. Membership growth has been on an upward trajectory for a while now. And when you do see a drop in certain areas, it's usually by their choice because they're usually pretty quick at getting out of businesses that aren't profitable enough or they consider too risky for them. According to Value Line, as a whole, their earnings have grown by about 12.5% 
per year on average over the last 10 years and by 15% on average over the last five years. And they've been growing that dividend at a pretty high rate too. They have a great balance sheet. And as you know, balance sheets matter. Their earnings are relatively predictable and value line gives them the highest mark for safety. Now, the question is valuation. Right now, the analysts are calling for uh, UNH to earn about $14.70 a share. But what they're saying is the analysts are saying that UNH is trading at about 16 times this year's earnings guess and about 14 times next year's. Well, that's reasonable, but it's not dirt cheap. Over the last 15 years, it's been as low as eight times, but that was during the great financial crisis too. If you take that period out, then it's averaged about 17 times earnings. So we're slightly below that now. So what do we do? Well, I think this is such a good company that I'm willing to start nibbling now. I think the risks are mostly external risks, things like recession, uh, driving the unemployment rate lower or higher, I guess, sorry. The consolidation of some of these companies that we've seen also means that they're trying to copy UNH, which means more competition down the road. If the stock continues the struggle, I'd probably buy more if it got back down under 225 or so. Well, that's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.